0: Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I created Data Mesh Radio to be a resource for Data Mesh practitioners the world over. This is a weekly summary episode where I share a bit about the upcoming week's episodes and give you an extended summary for any interviews or panels that will be released during that week. It's designed to help you decide what episodes you might want to spend the full time to listen to as interview episodes and panels are typically more than one hour long. In general, if you were running up against any challenges with data mesh, I'm here to help. I started a company around doing just that, data mesh understanding. So get in touch if I can be of help. Check out our free community programs and things like that as well. episode summaries and programming notes for the week of May 7th, 2023. So the data mesh understanding launch is almost here. The website is still not in a great place, but got a really cool logo that even does, you know, goes with some of the data mesh theme around the hexagons and stuff. So Expect to hear from me about the kind of free introduction and roundtable programs that are going to be starting to come out in the coming weeks. If you aren't connected with me on LinkedIn, now would be the time to do so. You know, that's where you're going to get the best flow of information about this. I think this is going to be really cool for a lot of people. So, what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we have episode 220. You're building your early data mesh platform and data product capabilities, which is an interview with Manisha Jane from ThoughtWorks. So, Manisha is on her third data mesh implementation, has some great thoughts about where to start early in your journey. Manisha's top 3 pieces of Early data mesh journey advice. First, put together a specification of what a data product is and make it clear. Your definition will involve and improve, but if people don't understand the building blocks, it's going to be hard to build t- towards value. Second, start to create standardized input and output ports because that is how data products, you know, your units of value, as Matt calls them in data mesh, actually exchange value with each other and create value, right? They have to get the information in and they have to serve it to others to actually make that a value. Then the third is make it easy to discover your important SLOs or service level objectives to create trust. Partner with consumers to serve what they need. If you want more insights from someone who's been on the ground doing the platform work in multiple implementations, this would be a good episode for you. And then on Friday, we have episode 221, which is a panel building your data mesh roadmap, which was led by Eric Broda with Liz Calloway and Phil Radley. So Eric leads this fun and dynamic panel on how do you actually go about creating and maintaining your data mesh roadmap? It's not just about the initial (laughs) roadmap as to what you want to, to do because, you know, no plan survives contact with the enemy. No plan survives... Contact with actually the the domains, right? So what matters and how important is getting the big picture perfect versus kind of that directionality? How to do loose coupling of you know pace? Essentially, different domains and different aspects need to be able to mature at different rates, and that that has to be okay. You know, setting and maintaining focus on your north star. There's lots of great practical advice for data leaders and anyone else in the data org. With that, let's go ahead and hear the extended summary for Manisha's episodes and for the panel too. Now just do remember, panel extended summaries can go a bit long cuz I have a whole lot of key takeaways. Extended Summary for Episode 220, Building Your Early Mesh Data Platform and Data Product Capabilities, an interview with Manisha Jain. So in this episode, I interviewed Manisha, who's a data engineer at ThoughtWorks. She's worked on a number of data mesh implementations there. Manisha started the conversation with her thoughts on how to get going with data mesh, onboarding any domain, but especially your first domain. Work with a small team aligned with that domain to find how data mesh can align with how the organization works and thinks. This will be different for every organization and every domain. That alignment is crucial to getting people comfortable and driving buy-in. People have to be comfortable with how it will work and what are their responsibilities. As Manisha said, only when you're, they're comfortable with that concept will it make sense to go ahead and explore more. According to Manisha, when you are bringing teams up to speed, it's really crucial to get on the same page on what you mean and what you expect from them. They often confuse data and data product, for example. So get kind of specific around terms. The differences can be subtle, but are important to understand. As Chris Haas also stated in his episode, they are using lean value tree method to Uh, Break down target outcomes into explicit assumptions and more manageable aspects of work. What are the bets you want to make and what are the hypotheses you are testing? Your initial workshops with a domain can also be a lesson in how to deliver value using a data mesh approach and prioritization. Anisha talked about how when working with a domain, you might identify multiple potential use cases. But you need to choose what is a priority to do now and why. This can surface what are the top one or two use cases and also show the domain how to prioritize as use cases continue to emerge in the future. The use case or use cases they select to prioritize to do first then directly lead to discovering the data products that need to support the use cases. And then you identify what skills and tooling are needed to actually execute and build and then maintain the necessary data products. Then you can start to back into what a team working on the necessary data products and potentially platform look like. You can use this lean value tree concept to get really specific because far too often in data we work, things are left too vague. So Scott note here, get specific, get explicit, chase away vagueness. But of course, leave lots of room for experimentation and iteration as you learn and build. So don't get overly specific on the exact how or even kind of the exact what of what's going to come out of this versus what are we trying to achieve and what do you own, who owns what, and when there are confusions, or when there is things and questions that come up, how do we communicate with each other what are our expectations around that, right? It's really easy to get the communication wrong. When asked more about kind of workshop dynamics, Manisha shared how they try to keep them from being too heavy on the domain. You know, get a few people, maybe two to four, who really understand the domain and can represent the business aspects, not just the data and or technical aspects. Each workshop, you know, they have three different workshops, has its own. Uh, goal as an outcome, but it's important to first align data mesh to organizational goals, you know, that business strategy. Then you can get into data mesh specifics. Specifically at ThoughtWorks, they call their workshops Accelerate, Discovery, and Inception. Manisha shared some crucial dynamics when working with your first domain that do get easier as you bring on additional domains. In the first domain in a data mesh implementation, it's clued. Crucial to really narrow in on understanding and definitions, including roles and responsibilities. Data product owner is a new role. What does it actually mean? And then there's the initial platform work too. But as you bring on your third, fourth, fifth, et cetera domain, there is internal learning to share with the new domains about how the organization aligns with data mesh. There's more clarity around what a data product is. They can even see already built data products and roles and responsibilities. But you will need to definitely do a gap analysis to figure out how to best enable each domain, as each domain is unique. Mara Gafour talked about this in her episode too, where she said, We, you know, we had this plan and we thought we were going to use the same plan for every domain, and that lasted for one domain. So There there is a balance. Look to maximize reuse of platform processes, organizational changes, et cetera, but don't look to force new domains to adhere to exactly how previous domains went through the data mesh journey. This is incredibly important. For Manisha, it's very important for the platform team to think in terms of capabilities. Deliver capabilities, not technologies, to the domains. Work with early data product teams closely and focus on what they are trying to do instead of how you want to solve the technical aspects. Focus on specifically what are they trying to achieve. Also, the platform team needs to consider what mesh level capabilities are necessary and when. Don't try to deliver a complete platform at the start. Your platform is a product and minimum viable product. Make sure you understand what minimum means and don't go overboard. The platform team can focus on a few simple things to drive to a good initial outcome or partnership with domains in Manisha's view. Number one, how does the work create business value? What do the domains need to do to actually drive value? Number two, How will users trust data? What does trust mean and what's needed? Number three, how do we make it possible for domains to create and manage a data product that is usable and discoverable? By focusing on the task at hand and then mapping to capabilities to support that task, you can prioritize and deliver something useful and valuable without boiling the ocean. You don't need to try to include every capability at the start. That is a bad anti-pattern. Get close to the use case and find friction. You will also learn to recognize reusable components of the platform, but some reusable components might not be evident at the start. This was one where a lot of people have talked about how crucial blueprints have been. And they were like, oh, I didn't think that was going to be really a crucial aspect of the platform, but just like... That people have an easy path to creating a data product. Anisha then went further into finding and identifying reusable components. The things that are most unique to each data product are the data modeling and data transformation. In her experience, almost every other aspect of specing out your and specking out and building a data product are reusable, merely customized to the data product itself. Finding the necessary SLAs and SLOs by working with consumers. Consumers, that is an actual reusable process. How do you have that conversation? How your SLAs are actually measured, the definitions around those SLAs are reusable. The infrastructure and the CICD and all that stuff is reusable. The overall data product blueprints are reusable. So look to make these reliable as your organization learns how to build data products to make for easy reuse. On data modeling and interoperability, Manisha shared that it's crucial to let domains evolve how they model their data as they learn. And interoperability, especially to support a use case, is of course important. But you will likely see a need for interoperability standards emerge when it's needed. Basically, don't try to build all your standards ahead of time. That might be creating an enterprise data model with a different name, really. When asked specifically about sample data products and automated data modeling tooling, Manisha pointed to them being a double-edged sword. While they can be useful, most, maybe all, data products need more custom data modeling to actually maximize their value. Essentially, the tools can get to a decent initial data model, but domains should look to improve them. If platform teams offer automated tools, they should make sure there's a big caveat to their usage. Manisha recommends you make sure uh, your initial domain has a strong enough You know, data talent in it, whether that's existing or you embed, to communicate the basic needs of that domain to the platform team. Regular developers are often not going to be data fluent enough at the start to drive to exact data infrastructure needs like a data engineer could, but be careful not to over-index towards tech too. Every domain will need people skilled in creating value through data modeling, but you probably won't need as advanced in people as advanced in data infrastructure in each of the domains later. The platform is already built by that point, right? It's important to differentiate what the platform should offer and what the data product developers should handle, according to Manisha. The platform, at least the aspects around data product creation, should be focused on making it quicker and easier and more reliable to create, deploy, maintain, and evolve data products. It sounds easy, but it's actually easy to lose focus on that. Look for friction points in the creation and management lifecycle and automate what doesn't add incremental value, such as a data product developer shouldn't have to manually add data to that catalog, so look to automate that. And yes, not everything should be built up front. Scott note here, she added some good flavor around data product boundaries, but it's it's pretty hard to, to summarize right here. Within the platform, Manisha believes it's very important to maintain team boundaries because shared resources become a bottleneck and pretty quickly can become very hard to manage. That is, This is part of why Jamak has been so clear on the data product as an independently deployable unit of architecture. Manisha gave the example of even the namespace for data products in the data catalog should be reserved for that one team so teams have a dedicated space to put all their data products. Manisha gave some early mesh journey advice. Number one, back to data product specification, you should create something that gives teams a very clear idea of what a data product is and encompasses. Scott, note here, I'm still waiting for someone to open source their data product creation template so people can really tangibly understand what the the frick a data product is. Number two, if, as Jamax says, data products are our unit of value exchange in data mesh, then making it easier to exchange value is crucial. Start to create standardized input and output ports so you can easily ingest and serve data. ETL shouldn't be a concept really. It's ingest or serving only, right? The the transformation happens inside the data product, not in the pipe as it's moving around. And number three, really focus on making it easy to discover and then implement SLOs and SLAs. Being able to understand and trust data is crucial to being willing to rely on it. That trust comes from good communication around SLAs. Scott, note one thing I've been talking about is there's a difference between someone kind of trusting the data and actually trusting it enough to rely on it. Like you want people to be able to rely on the data. Manisha believes learning the language of the business is crucial for data people. You need to extract the actual business value drivers and build to those so you have to be talking the same language. Unfortunately for data people, the language that aligns to business value is usually the business language. It's not the data language. Look to ask more business user-focused questions than trying to get overly technical. And then three quick tidbits to wrap up on. Manisha said, quote, the data product spec should at a minimum talk about the data set ports, domain, service level agreements, how do I share my data, what does data sharing look like, et cetera. Make your data product specification easy to understand what someone will create and what a consumer will receive. Again, focus on a streamlined developer experience that keys in on autonomy. That's the way to a scalable data mesh implementation, at least on the platform side. And finally, there's a responsibility on both the platform and the product teams to understand responsibilities and collaborate to drive to that streamlined experience, lowering the bar to creating data products. Extended summary for episode 221: A panel building your data mesh roadmap, led by Eric Broda with Elizabeth Calloway and Phil Radley. Quick reminder that that extended summaries for panels go through a lot of bullet points. I think there are 30 in this one, so these can be quite long. In this episode, guest host Eric Broda, an executive consultant in the financial services space, and guest of episode 38, facilitated a discussion with Liz Calloway a data governance expert in the financial services space, guest of episode 92, as well as Phil Radley, principal data and AI strategy consultant at ThoughtWorks. As per usual, all guests were only reflecting their own views. And Scott note here, I share my key takeaways on these rather than trying to explain the nuance of different panelists' points of view. So what are my top eight takeaways? And then we'll get to the next 22. (laughs) It's important to understand that when you decentralize, different aspects can and should move at different paces, different aspects of your data mesh implementation. Your roadmap needs to account for that, but it should also take advantage of that. Domains can go at their own pace, including ones to quickly drive towards significant data value. Some domains are going to want to take things slow, but some domains really, really want to go. Number two everyone's roadmap by the inherent nature of a roadmap will be unique based to the organization's context trying to po- copy paste from another organization will end badly that said there are some pretty core capabilities that all mesh roadmaps should have right that's covered a lot in the uh, in the panel itself number three a roadmap should point you towards your target endpoint of course with data mesh there isn't exactly really an endpoint, you don't stop evolving much like with microservices. But the idea is the same. How do you want the organization to operate relative to data production and sharing? Set your North Star to guide you in that direction. Number four, your roadmap really should have time built in for socialization, communication between teams. If you don't, then there is no real extra collaboration or communication between the teams and everyone executes on kind of their own little silo on what they expect is needed. You have people optimizing at the micro level, not the macro level. It's crucial to human cognition to not only be doing, but thinking and relating to other people. That's how you can drive sustainable change management. This is really important to think about how crucial it is to make it obvious that people need to talk to each other because by default with data work, we've kind of said, what do you need? Okay, I'm going to go build it. And then I come back with something that doesn't meet your needs, you know, six to nine months later. Number five, be very clear on your value proposition for your data mesh journey, but don't try to get your budget and set your value proposition as this long-term delivery of value. Look to incremental value delivery and find value propositions for that incremental work. Basically, deliver value along the way and don't tie your budget and your value to something that is this massive delivery three years down the road. This is when we will have delivered the data mesh and that is when you can measure our value for the work we did. No, don't do that. Right? Think about we're going to be having good returns along the way as we learn how to do this better and better. Number seven, focus on more on business capabilities over purely underlying technical capabilities in your platform roadmap. The tech is the most tangible part, but it's also not the thing that really ends up driving value or being overly important to most users. They don't care, right? They care about the capabilities. So talk about those business capabilities of what you're going to allow them to do, not what tools you're going to put into your platform. And finally, number eight of my top eight governance might actually be the most crucial aspect to your roadmap. If you don't map out your planned capabilities around governance, you don't really know when you'll be able to tackle certain types of use cases. it's also very easy to leave off crucial governance issues till later that will hurt you as you try to scale something like policy as code or data product blueprints and interoperability standards. So I've got another 22 to go through, so buckle in. Uh, here are some other key, they're important takeaways and they, a lot of them touch on the same points either to the, the eight that I just went through or to each other, but I, I want to share them as well. Number one, try to delay your key architectural decisions and tell you no more. At some point, you have to make a call, but don't try to lock in your architecture right away. However, this will really frustrate many, maybe most Data engineers, because they often care more about the tech than the capabilities. So you have to communicate why you're doing this, not just saying, we'll we'll figure it out, we'll figure it out, right? You have to be clear and crisp with them or they'll be very frustrated. Number two, overall, focus more on what you are trying to do to support and advance the business strategy in your roadmap. Data people want to focus on the data work, but it's very easy to diverge from business strategy. So make sure you are keeping your roadmap aligned to business goals. Number three, if you're going to create a roadmap, you should get clear on the definition of your roadmap. What are you actually trying to achieve with your roadmap? What is important to include and what isn't? Don't create a roadmap to create a roadmap. At the start of your process, define the goal around creating and keeping and updating that roadmap. Number four, a roadmap at the high level is a strong communication tool to drive alignment across many parts of the organization. It is a vision to share and work towards. You will have your top roadmap, but you might have roadmap for aspects of your data mesh, like your platform too. Number five, the roadmap isn't rigid. It shouldn't be rigid. The target vision destination is kind of rigid, but focus a lot on what is our next pit stop? What is our next value delivery instead of trying to plan everything out years in advance? Number six, if you're spending too much time to ensure you are right, being right might not be actually valuable. You spent too much of your time, talent, and or treasure, as Liz said, where the return on investment isn't there. Learn to fail fast and iterate to value with smaller bets. Number seven, when it comes to a roadmap, prepare people for one of Jamak's mantras. Think big, start small, move fast. Number eight, Your roadmap shouldn't be too ambitious and you should roadmap out your organizational changes too. Far too many try to focus purely on the technical and platform aspects. Don't try to escape Conway's law. Look to reflect its impact in your roadmap. Number nine, don't focus overly much on exactly where you are going without reflecting on how far you've come. Think about your successes. Showcase and celebrate and try to measure them as that will drive further buy-in and momentum. You can highlight the work of the team and inspire others. Make this part of your formal roadmap. Number 10, you want to think about when you will add your self-service capabilities. You have to make some compromises at first in your data mesh journey, especially around the platform. It can't do everything you want it to on day one, or you will have spent far too much time Building instead of doing, right? Oh, I'm going to do a 90 day or 180 day build of the platform and then we can start our data mesh. No, don't do that. Be honest about the importance of capabilities and look to automate where you find the most friction as well. Number 11, governance on your roadmap will really set a tone for your journey. Is this about better data processing on the technology side or? about better business outcomes through AI and analytics. Number 12, does your definition of minimum viable product for a data product evolve as you mature in your data mesh journey? It's an interesting question to dig deeper into. I don't have an answer there, but like when you first start out, probably your minimum viable product's pretty minimum, but then you can get to the minimum much easier and quicker later in the journey when you've got easy ways to just kind of plop some data into a blueprint and get to sharing with people. Number 13, a simple compelling value proposition could be the work we do to satisfy regulatory compliance should be reused for our analytics and AI. We should drive the cost and complexity down for both by focusing on reuse. Number 14, your roadmap could possibly even include developing a better decisioning process for future work. Focus on tying business use cases back to data work, even something like measuring the value of your data work. It won't be great from day one, but think about business processes around data work you want to mature. Number 15, in your platform, potentially err towards building the business capability first and then building out the self-service aspect to take care of that. You need to understand what you actually want to build and an excellent, maybe the best way to do that is to get real-world feedback on what are the actual pain points of putting something into production. Number 16, it's okay to have either or both an org-wide large-scale transformation roadmap or a much smaller roadmap focused on that incremental value delivery. Both could be a valid approach depending on your organization's situation. Number 17, be real with assessing where you are in your data maturation journey, your data governance journey, no one is judging you on that. Everyone thinks that they, they're being judged, but nobody's really paying attention to what's going on in your organization from external organizations. It's better be to be honest to yourself than going for bravado. Again, no one externally is looking at you and especially not at your roadmap. Number 18, there are multiple successful and sensible ways to start a data mesh journey. You shouldn't be overly focused on how, other, how others are getting going. Yes, learn from them, but you can and should tweak to your organization. Don't go for easiest, go for most likely to succeed in the short and the long run. Yes, easier said than done, but think about that short-term success as you build momentum. Number 19, getting your first mesh data product to production is, as Eric called it, a momentous occasion. You had to really get a lot of things in place to achieve it, celebrate it, like, be happy be proud of that number 20 there are a few parallel value delivery tracks in your data mesh journey there is business value delivery you know delivery on delivering on the use case and there is also mesh capability delivery delivering on the ability to do data mesh when you first start out the business value delivery will outstrip the capability delivery but the capability delivery is where you have long-term value leverage, your ability to scale value delivery. Number 21, it isn't easy and can sound cheesy. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but make sure to build empathy into your roadmap. How do we exchange context with each other and learn what drives value for each other so we can do better work that delivers more business value? Good empathy will lead to stronger communication and collaboration when it's valuable or necessary. Finally, number 22, if you see something, say something. Over-communicate. Think about what others want, might want to know and let them know. Don't only wait for someone to ask. Hopefully it sounds like some awesome episodes for you coming up this week. As a reminder, feel free to get in touch if I might be useful in your data mesh journey helping quite a few organizations and introducing people to each other, plus doing some roundtables. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information. I hope you have a great rest of your day and week. Now on to that fun, funky little outro music. (laughs) Music